The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to The Bigger Picture. Now, a huge money laundering case in Singapore has raised many eyebrows and created quite a bit of buzz, not just here, but also making headlines globally. In a series of raids in mid-August, police seized close to three quarters of a billion US dollars in assets, including more than 100 luxury condos, flashy cars, high-end watches, and collected toys. It's one of Singapore's largest ever money laundering cases and has raised some questions. So to help us unpack the issues on hand, we've got Chua Chun Hong. He is the Senior Director, Head of Financial Crime Practice Group for APAC and Middle East at Moody's Analytics. Chun, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. Good morning, Ryan. All right. So let's start with the backdrop of money laundering first. Now, how prevalent is it? How does Singapore fit into this landscape right now? The thing is, uh, money laundering uh, is how you, you see the uh, criminal syndicates you know, potentially uh, organized crime or organization dealing with drugs. This is how they legitimize you know, the kind of money, dirty money, tainted money that they have. So the way they, how they do it is always to try to you know, launder it through our financial system. Now, you, you'll find a lot of this happening uh, probably around places like Asia uh, in different uh, uh, you know, times. And you know, Singapore being one of the key financial hubs, right? Uh, we're probably, uh, I wouldn't say more susceptible, but it were probably more des- a popular destination uh, for some of this uh, organized crime to, to try their hand, you know, to you know, make use of our financial system, mm. uh, you know, clean their funds. And one, one of the, 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 the ways, in, or rather one of the things that, you know, why uh, Singapore, you know, being one of the, the I would guess, popular place is because we have a very open business environment, right? And that tends to get abused uh, by some of these perpetrators. Uh, so uh, it's not to say that Singapore uh, is weak in this area. It's just because we have a very open business climate. So uh, it's just uh, an area that, you know, some of these perpetrators uh, will target. I guess the other part about it is also the enforcement or at least the detection of these cases. So that's another thing to take into account why these cases get reported. Uh, how much of an issue is this for someone on the street thinking about, hey, money laundering is happening, so how would it impact me? Now, if left unchecked, right, you have a lot of money laundering issues that happen in a country, uh, that will affect uh, you know, the day-to-day folks in very diff- uh, various different manner. Now, you have criminals, if it's left unchecked, uh, where they have access, legitimized, you know, this uh, vast funds, right, vast amount of funds, uh, what they can do is they will then place it within the economy. Mm-hmm. And what they do is, you know, they'll start buying a lot, buying up luxury goods, basic goods, you know, everything that, you know, they can get their hands on uh, to keep the value of that money, right, within assets. Now, what this does is it drives the, the, the demand for these goods up, right? Because they then create a shortage. So if left unchecked, you can imagine the worst, right? In this particular scenario that we've seen, over 100 condominiums and you know, luxury properties uh, that were seized. And that would mean that you're depriving uh, the people who are now working really hard uh, you know, trying to uh, you know get uh, uh, work their way to buying uh, their first condominium. Now this will be outreach because uh, you know there can be more, right? If there, this is less un- un- left unchecked, uh, you can imagine all these uh, different condos and luxury uh, uh, residential area being snapped up, and what's left then for the people 
uh, and that that's going to be detrimental for everyone. If you look at regulations, how have they managed to address this issue? Where are the gaps right now? Actually, if you look at the regulation and we compare it across Asia-Pacific, Singapore has one of the most uh, stringent uh, anti-money laundering regulations and enforcement uh, and audit process across the region. Uh, and that's because I think uh, the government recognised uh, that you know having a very bis- open business uh, climate uh, and being a financial hub were just uh, that more, much more vulnerable uh, to this abuse. So in terms of regulations, if you can see it, uh, it's actually uh, the, the fact that we have now managed to uncover this uh, issue and uncover this uh, $1 billion case is because due to the fact that you know, this, the, the enforcement agencies are able uh, to get the detection uh, and the suspicious transactions that's not getting reported uh, by the institutions that's covered under MAS. So I would say that you know, uh, the system is actually working, mm. right? Uh, you can't prevent this from happening, right? Uh, but you can definitely, uh, uh, when you know you have strict enforcement and strict regulations like this, you definitely can put a deterrence uh, to future uh, or such a, a incident from arising again. Yeah, Chun. So we've seen how it gets into property, and then we've seen uh, some interesting stuff you can seize as well, like high-end watches, collector toys. When you look at assets, do we need more restrictions around more assets? Now, that's the part where it's always going to be challenging and difficult and, and where a balance needs to come in, right? So under things like real estate, uh, you know, uh, uh, properties, uh, there's already strict regulations by CA, uh, by the, uh, 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 the uh, housing developments, that you know you have to now do your customer due diligence and KYC uh, on uh, the individuals buying all these real estates, and with all the different banking transactions, uh, you know they're covered by the bank uh, whenever you're going to take all these loans uh, to buy uh, all these luxury property as well. So that much, there's a lot of coverage on this. Now, when it comes to other luxury goods, uh, that's where it gets a little bit more tricky. Mm-hmm. Now, the current regulations. Uh, actually, and uh, dictates that you know if you have a cash transaction, say example, if you walk into a jewelry shop, right, and if you try to buy uh, a, a a jewelry, right, that is over twenty thousand in cash, now then uh, there is a obligation to report that as a, a suspicious transaction. But what if this transaction is not in cash, right? And you know there are always going to be a market where people will uh, buy you know a large amount of luxury goods. Now you won't be reporting uh, these activities then because uh, these could be legitimate business transactions. So then it becomes a bit more challenging and difficult to say you know can we detect this uh, if someone goes into a, a shop and buy example ten luxury watches, right? Is that really out of the norm? So that becomes a little bit more tricky and difficult. Uh, for anyone to actually uh, detect. Mm, I'm curious as well, has it been harder to de- to detect these days, especially when you've got alternative payment methods like crypto? Uh, so right now, at least from what we're seeing from the retail industries, uh, crypto uh, as a, a, a means of uh, purchasing such luxury goods is still not common. Uh, but if you're buying it online, uh, where there are other potential uh, retailers or potential uh, uh, um, sellers who are taking crypto uh, and then of course that becomes even more difficult because then uh, crypto is not 
uh, I'll say, uh, one of the more uh, regulated industries uh, per se globally, right? So it becomes that much more difficult to unravel where's the source of funds coming from uh, and how did you get that, those funds. And just to wrap things up, what should policymakers be mindful of as we think about next steps to address these issues? I think, by and large, uh, the way how we look at the, the this issue is where the funds are coming from that's overseas. And it's really difficult. And I think this is probably where things uh, needs to be probably looked at a little bit more closely. Because a lot of these funds, if we look at the current case, uh, probably didn't just uh, come up within Singapore, right? They flowed in from overseas. And the regulations for uh, the same anti-money laundering regulations, enforcement, uh, as well as regulations, it's not the same throughout uh, you know, every country in the world, and the maturity of it is not the same with every country in the world, right? So, uh, if you have some of this organized crime with bank accounts or uh, with funds that's transferred from you know, different countries uh, uh, overseas, uh, that's where it gets difficult when we start to look at you know, how are we, uh, how 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 can we tell if now all this uh, money coming into Singapore. Uh, whether they're legitimate or not, right? So that's the difficult part. I guess this is the way, uh, the next step where I guess we want to probably uh, have a, a closer look and a tighter review. All right, that's a great overview of the money laundering issues with Chua Chun Hong. He's the Senior Director, Head of Financial Crime Practice Group for APAC and Middle East at Moody's Analytics. Chun, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.